Thanks for tuning into the Canadian Beef Podcast, where our goal is to promote health and wellness in the bodybuilding community while having fun doing it and getting you huge. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel. Thank you guys so much for watching. On to the video. All right, guys. So um, this weekend was nationals and well, the USA nationals, which is a <laughs> massive show. How many guys were in that show, Jason? I don't know. It was a lot. It did. Yeah. I was actually shocked with how many bodybuilders there were like, yeah, you know, the past couple of years, it's kind of been lower since like classic physique got so popular, but I think every, almost every division in bodybuilding, every weight class had like 50 guys in it. Yeah. That's yeah. I was watching the light heavyweights come out and prejudging and like, it was literally endless. Yeah. It was like an hour of them just like coming out doing their like 15 or 30 second presentations or whatever. And that's, and that's why they had to push, they had to push finals back two hours because of that. Yeah. I heard. Yeah. It seemed like it was on pretty late last night. <laughs> See, we think the Canadian shows are long, but these, these U S shows are like three times, you know, it's, I mean, ridiculous. it's, it's well, isn't North Americans yeah. like a week long. <laughs> the North Americans is a whole week. It is now. It's like yeah. Tuesday, right? Every yeah, class of their own day. <laughs> yeah. North American starts on like Tuesday now. Yeah. yeah. So did you have any guys in the show or, or girls? No, I didn't have anyone in the show. I, I knew a few guys in it, but I didn't uh I didn't have any clients there. Did you know anybody that um won their class or got the overall or anything? Um so not like closely, no, but it was funny that there was a guy that uh just messaged me. He DM'd me a couple of weeks ago. He's like, Hey man, I'm moving to, Day to Daytona on the 29th of December. You know, is that gym you train at? That's the cool place to be, like the hardcore gym and stuff. So we've been messaging and stuff. And then I see, I didn't even realize he was prepping for nationals though. So I see him there and he comes up and like introduces himself to me. And I was like, he was like, I think, uh, um, I think he was welter. The one right before middleweight. Was that welter? Middle. Uh, There's too many weight classes. Light middle? I don't know. Know. Yeah, I like middle. It, it, it is. Walter weights before middleweight. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was right before middleweight or whatever, but he, uh, he comes up to me. He's like, Hey, did you see me? I was like, dude, I just walked in. He's like, I won that shit. <laughs> I was like, all right. And then finals. Yeah. He, he took it. So yeah. that was pretty cool. Like, so now we'll have another pro in the, in my gym now. Okay. Nice. What, what was his, do you know his name? And give him a shout out. So he, so, yeah, he, he won the light that, heavyweight uh, and he was in the overall. Me, right. I want to say his name was Jordan, but let me make sure just to, oh, so okay. I don't sound like an idiot. Oh, I think <laughs> I might know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Wise. Jordan Wise. Yeah. So he was a, a, a lightweight or sorry. What did you say he was? I want to, it was right before. So there's like bantamweight, lightweight, welterweight, middleweight. Uh, I think that's how it goes. I think he it was, goes. I think it was welter. Uh, yeah. Lightweight, welterweight, uh, light, light, middle, middleweight, light, heavy, heavyweight. No, you're forgetting about bantamweight. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> there's too many now. It's like, bantam, I think it's bantam, light, light bantam, welterweight, welterweight, Hold on. Middleweight, okay. light, heavyweight, heavyweight, super heavyweight. There's seven. Okay. I got it. What it says here is it's bantamweight, lightweight, middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight, and then super heavyweight. Okay. So, so they never had a multi weight class in? They're always changing. I don't know. I don't know. So, and then the weight class right after him, uh, Justin Jacoby won. And I've known him. I competed with him, like not in the same weight class, but I competed with him in 2016 North Americans. So he finally got his pro card. So that's pretty awesome. Oh, so every every class winner at this show got a pro card, right? Bro, every top two. Wow. Every top two. Yeah. How big were the classes, though? You, you, you guys said they were big. Were they like? Oh, they were huge. Yeah, there was 40, 50 people in every class. Yeah, man. I watched prejudging and like like every, like though, especially like in the, like the light heavyweight, heavyweight, super heavyweight categories, like the top two guys definitely deserve pro cards. Yeah. <laughs> like it was so well, good, man. <laughs> the super heavies, what, Nate Spear, he's been, go he's been chasing that pro card for a while. Yeah. And he finally, he got second against Carlos Thomas, who looked like a, he looked like a pro already up there. Yeah. Yeah. His shape was absolutely ridiculous, man. 
Yeah, but that was they the look, best I think Nate Spears ever looked too. So it was awesome like, to see he finally. Yeah, they, they look really good too. Like I think like Carlos gave up conditioning like a little bit, but like his shape yeah. muscularity was that good that like he even beat like Justin Shire in the overall. And like that that guy was pretty sliced from the front. Uh, yeah, Justin definitely had better conditioning. Like he was peeled and his shape is phenomenal. The only thing with him that was kind of weird was like the way his glutes and hamstrings were like they were, it's like, I don't know if he wasn't flexing them or something like that. I think it was the way he was posing. So I was just talking to my wife about that actually when we were watching it. Cause I was like, I think um, I've seen a couple guys do it. I know um, they almost pose their rear shots like a wellness or bikini girl. They like stick it out to make their adductors pop more. Yeah. So it looks thick as hell, but it's harder to flex the glutes, you know? So you get this thick, like adductor, hamstring, glute, like the fullness and roundness, but you don't get like the contraction as well. Yeah. Like you're, when you're, when you're posing, when you're posing your glutes and you, you fully like suck them under your pelvis, you know, like you really squeeze them under. They're going to yeah. be like hard as nails, like if you're conditioned, right? But if you right. like pop that booty out, you kind of get that lower back arch. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of time though. Like, yeah, with some guys like that have underdeveloped glutes. Like, if they if they do try to contract them really hard, yeah, like it's just they not, just like, disappear. Like, yeah. they have no glute. <clears throat> but like, they, 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 have, they will be trying it, but they just don't have glutes. Like you can't yeah, even see their glute. Like the posing trunk just covers their glute if they like yeah. they got no like glutes. John, John Jewett does <laughs> it too. I've I've noticed he poses yeah. like that as well. But if and you push if you push those glutes back, then like you were saying, the adductors pop, but yeah. you don't get the glute striations. However, you will get a little bit more taper on your waist. So right. it's like, how important is the, to me, the glutes is like one of the main things you look at. So I right. prefer to pose my glutes, but I also have, I have big glutes. So if I pop them out, it's, they're going to look like shit. <laughs> it's gonna look like, yeah, exactly. they, they need to be like tucked in a bit. So I, I think let's like, move him to men's wellness. It, it depends on the person's body parts and like how it kind of flows together. Cause Regan poses with his, with his booty out and he fucking, obviously it works for him. Right. But right. with Justin, I think that was the one thing that kind of people noticed was that everything was in, but he was missing the glute striations. Yeah. Right. It's like everything's crispy except for your glutes. It looks a little off. Yeah, I don't so know if that was exciting too, factor because uh, I think he still needs a little bit more size. Yeah, too, but I think up but, close, you could still yeah. see the glute striations. Like, it didn't translate as well through the video. Yeah. But up close, you could still see the glute striations and everything. It's just not that crisp, like, diced-in striations. Yeah. You know? Like, there was no fat. Some but, people hold more water, like, in their glutes, too, right? So. Oh, he wasn't holding any water in there. He, he was, was pretty He, he was, was pretty high, yeah. 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 I just um, I think he gave up a bit of size to, to Thomas Carlos Jr. Yeah. That's probably what. Uh, yeah. At the end of, like, the heavyweight callouts, like, did you see, like, Justin Shire's lats, like, kind of disappear? I, th- I want to say – it was hard to tell, but I want to say he was just a little bit flat. And then maybe he might have had hard, uh, trouble, like, posing a little bit because of that or something. That well, I think I just think he was, like, so dry. And, like, they, they did make him do, like, two or three rounds of posing. Yeah, he, he like kind of faded at the end, but at the same time, I think he solidified that like first place before they even got to like that. Thing. Oh yeah, yeah, he looked he looked crazy. Yeah, I was I was surprised when they they brought him back out and they made him completely like rejudge the the heavyweights. Yeah, well, that guy, the guy who got second, uh, like JJ, I forget his name, but he he looked fucking. Danowitz. Yeah, he he just looked like a unit, man. Like at like so much yeah. muscle, like really good shape. Like the only thing with him was his waist was a little big, but like everything yeah. else was like amazing. And, I think he's another one that's been chasing him. it for a while. I yeah. still didn't see him with straight glutes though. Even um, like Jay Janowitz didn't have peeled glutes, not in the pictures I saw, anyways. Yeah. It seemed like his color was a bit off too. Yeah, Justin's color details was really make a big good. difference when it comes to that. Justin's first color was second great, or overall. Yeah, his skin was really, really good. Good, yeah. like, yeah, it was a good look, man. Honestly, like, he just needs a little bit more size. And honestly, it was good overall show. Like, there was yeah. a oh, lot yeah. of like, even the the lightweights, middleweights, like all the way up, like the top guys looked great. You can tell it's a good show because people are posting like pictures from the show, and like there's guys that I've never even heard of that just look crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. what about the women? Did you get a chance to watch the women at all? Yeah, yeah, we watched. Uh, at least we watched physique, 
and uh, wellness were first at finals. Yeah. Um, and they look good. The top, it was funny. It was, I know, class, I think it was class A for physique and figure. The same girl won. Oh, shit. She mm. won physique and she won figure. Oh, wow. Yeah. That doesn't so, happen very often. I know. She looked, I mean, she looked incredible in both classes. She knows how to pose to show off what they want to see, I guess, you know? Cool. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a lot of the, the physique girls looked really good. Um, the, uh, oh, I saw the bodybuilders too. Yeah. The female bodybuilders were before them yeah. and, uh, they were, they were good. I actually had a friend here from Daytona go pro in class oh, a sweet. Yeah. She got her pro card. Um, her name is Barbie, but, uh, she, she did really good. She's been, you know, killing it and trying for a long time too. Yeah. Her and her, her husband, Danny. So, um, Danny's actually uh, Canadian, but he lives oh. here. Oh, uh, Danny McDonald. Okay. Oh, he's my cousin. Huh? <laughs> yeah. He's my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, the the girl that won the the heaviest weight class in the female bodybuilding just was on a different level, so she took the overall pretty easy. Yeah. And you know then, I mean? uh, wellness looked good. There was a, I mean, I think. I think that most of the girls could have been a little better conditioned, like if they're going to go to the pros. Yeah, I think because they're, they're they're still pretty new in, in that uh, division, so I think they're they're trying to get to that size that they want, and to bring it in condition at the same time is going to be challenging, right? Yeah, Dude, that might be one of the toughest classes like ever in the IFBB because like like good luck breaking into the top fifteen of the current wellness girls. Yeah, yeah. Like it's they they look insane, man. Like it's well, okay, well there's, I think there's, it's a fine line too of like too conditioned or not conditioned enough. Like you really have to know where to hit the mark, you know. So here's, field, man, at the Olympia level. Here's yeah. one thing about wellness, you know, that I want to say is that because wellness is new and it's exciting that there's a lot of like there's a lot of bikini girls that want to go into wellness, but they're not built for it. You know what I mean? Like it's very, it is very much like a genetic class, like like classic for men is. Um, you have to really be born with that shape, and you have to be willing to do what it takes to get that amount of size. That you have to, you know what I mean? Like you can't, you're not training like a bikini girl on your legs anymore. You know what I mean? Oh, no. It's it's very heavy and hard leg training because you have to really push the limits in order to get that kind of size and muscle mass yeah. on your lower body that you need for that class, and to hold it and stay conditioned and to get conditioned too. Crazy man, and it's complete um, leg development. It's not yeah. just focusing on hamstrings and glutes. Like you have to have everything. So Robin, the- I just gotta say, I'm so happy you're saying this to my girlfriend sitting right across from me, and she wants to do all <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Does she do bikini now? No, she she she's never competed before. She's definitely wellness. She's got like really yeah. good genetics and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So yeah, uh, exactly. Because if you have big legs, you know, there before the girls would be like, oh, I gotta I gotta shrink my legs to get into bikini, but that doesn't make sense, man. Like. Yeah. You're just going to be fighting against your genetics for so long, whereas then you're going to be going up against other women that are meant for that class. So, it, yeah, yeah, for sure. If, if you're built well, like that's that, what, look at like uh, Yurishna, yeah. who's, you know, top, what, did what she get, second or third at the Olympia? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she, I think, was doing bikini years ago in the NPC and all the IFBB and then she left because she was play- wasn't placing well because she was just genetically thicker. And she went to like the WBFF for a couple of years and then came back, had to re-earn her pro card as wellness when they came out with wellness. And then, you know, that because that just fit her genetics. Yeah. yeah. She didn't want to try and shrink her legs down, you know, and starve for bikini. Yeah. The newest, yeah. Um, the newest wellness Canadian pro. Emily Azzarello was kind of like that too because she was competing in bikini for a couple of years and just always coming up short because she was like almost too shredded for that class. So right. then they have wellness and she switches to wellness. She wins her pro card and she places, I think, top three in the first uh, wellness pro show she does. So, you know, it's, yeah. Did she get uh, Arnold invite? I don't know. I thought I saw a Canadian on the list for wellness Arnold. Oh, really? Oh, no, that was probably the girl who just won the Toronto pro. Yeah. The girl who oh. won wellness at the Toronto pro is uh, from Canada. Okay. I think it's, I think it's her. Yeah. Check. Uh, yeah. That was a, 
uh, pretty interesting Arnold list that came out too. Very, yeah. But um, what I thought was interesting about nationals when I was doing nationals before I turned pro, you couldn't do more than one class. Like they didn't allow you to do crossovers like at a normal amateur show. But there wasn't so, that many classes then either, right? Yeah, and I guess it makes sense now because if you don't know if you fit in bikini or wellness yeah. or figure physique, you know, but yeah. like we weren't allowed to cross over. So we were seeing, you know, people do bodybuilding in classic and you see people do, you know, different divisions like that where like crossovers, are like crossovers are like a recent thing anyway, you know, like even like but the local shows, I've seen it for a while, but I've never I didn't think it was ever allowed in the nationals, at least not when I was doing nationals. Right? I think it all depends on how much money the promoters want to make. Well, now, now yeah. you can really tell that it's it's to get money because now they have novice and true novice and the crossovers. So you could get one person paying like five different entry fees. You yeah, know? like they want to do like masters bikini, and then they want to do like true novice. You know, it's like holy yeah. crap. <laughs> yeah, so I guess you're right. At national shows too, like they're gonna have to pay two entry fees to do. Two classes, right, and and it also could Good make the, uh, the classes look and feel more competitive because there's there's going to be like if someone knows they're good and they're like I'm good, but I don't know if I'm going to win it in class you know X or class Y. I'll just do yeah. both. You know, well, they might they might have won the the overall at in both divisions at the local show they did to qualify for nationals. Yeah. So they don't. They're like, well, that didn't tell me which one I should do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jason, how did you win your pro card? Junior USA's. Classic physique. Classic physique. Did you win the overall or? No, I actually took second. Um, so they, uh, no, I got second in my, in class B. Okay. Um, the guy that beat me, he beat me by one point and he won the overall against oh. Keon. Oh, shit. Yeah. Who, who, who was the guy that beat you? Because you, you've done pretty well. Like, now you're 212, obviously, but, I mean, even Classic, you plays pretty well, right? So yeah. Other, how's he yeah. doing? Coaching and just living life. Yeah. So he's, he's I mean, he's a super, super nice guy. I, I'm blanking on his name right now. I feel like a dick. But um, he, uh, he did, like, maybe two pro shows. I think he plays top six at his first pro show. Um, and then he just stopped competing and – you know, he's got a family and he does a lot of coaching and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, that's how it is. That's what I say. You know, nobody's going to really remember how you turned pro. They're going to remember what you do as a pro. Yeah, for so sure. Like, they only, they only know, really remember, yeah, what, like, I, whether you do something or whether you do nothing, you know. People talk shit about people that, oh, you went pro by taking a second place. I, would, I wouldn't want to do that. I'm like, okay, well. I won a pro show after that. I was top seven in the in the Arnold, and I've been to the Olympia twice. I think it completely depends on what your intentions are, right? Like, because I, like I, I've openly spoken to people like that have told me like they only want to turn pro for like a business like thing, like just yeah. to help with the coaching business or whatever. But like, like you for instance, like you're a bodybuilder through and through. Like you can tell, like you're passionate about it, you love it. So regardless of how you got your pro card, like look what you're doing with it. It's like okay, you got yeah. it second place in classic, but now like you're a good two twelve guy. <laughs> so it's like you just kept going it's not like oh i got my pro card i'm gonna stop improving and just like stay here kind of thing like it's well, it just motivated me to improve even more especially you know knowing i was one place away from the guy that took or one point away from the guy that took the overall you know and he beat keon for the overall and then look what keon's gone on to do so exactly you know. exactly yeah just because i've had like i find when nationals comes around a lot of people are like there's a bit of controversy around like the second place pro cards, right? Like it's just like people talk about it. And well, stuff it's like just that. Yeah. it's just a means to an end, right? You're just you're just trying to compete with the pros. Yeah, and like, some people that do get that second place pro card, you know, it doesn't mean like you're going to be competitive as a pro. So like they might fizzle out too. Well, or that's they the thing. It's like motivation, it's, like I did, to keep pushing yourself to get better. Because yeah. winning your pro card is just one stamp in time. It's just that that one moment that you were on stage and you know, win or lose, however you got that pro card, you, you got it now. So now the only thing that matters is how you carry it forward. Right. And, yeah. you know, for someone, I just want to say this quick, because for someone who thinks that, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to do uh, some bodybuilding or whatever, you know, whatever class you're going to do, I'm going to do that because I want to be a coach and I want to grow my business. Well, that's a pretty silly idea to try to grow your business to be, a, you know, being a pro is not going to grow your business. If you had $10,000, 
and, and four months, let's say $5,000 in four months to invest. Do you really think that the best way to grow your business is doing a contest prep and trying to get a pro card? It's like, why wouldn't you invest that money and time into like more education? If, if coaching is your, your thing, right? If that's what you're going to say, I want my pro card because of coaching. That doesn't even make sense, man. Look at you, you, Chris you get a pro, Cito, you get a pro card. Pro. You're Matt Jansen, go, yeah. never turn pro. Either you want to go pro because it's an accomplishment for yourself and that's it. Or you want to go pro because you want to compete as a pro. Yeah. If exactly. it helps with your business at all, that's a little bit of a bonus. Yeah. But I don't think it carries forward into a business like having a degree does or having certifications do specific to the type of people you want to coach. You know, I think it can help a little bit. But again, like as an investment, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. No, look at some of the top coaches out there. They so never the turned pro. That's the, exactly. Yeah. Pro, right? Yeah. He never turned no. pro. He was an amateur Mo- from UK. most um, like top coaches aren't pros. Like right. look at like uh, like Hanny Rambod and like well I don't know who um, uh, Chad Gordon, Nichols Gordon. like they're not pros. Yeah. They just yeah they Matt Jansen. Right? You know yeah. Chris Estito competed back in the day. He never turned pro. True. You know like yeah. so many of them. It's like. And well, some, you know what? They put more of their focus on their athletes than on themselves. That's how they grew their business. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like yeah. anyone who's looking for a coach, it's like, like there's so many pros out there now that are like online coaches, but like at the end of the day, like you look at the results that these people produce, like for other clients that they have, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I'm going to go to a guy just cause he's a pro. And then he has like, doesn't post anything about coaching or doesn't show yeah. what he can actually do. I'm just going to go off like, Oh, he's a pro. He must know what he's doing. But like, that guy could have did like three shows to become a pro. Could have had one coach the whole time. He could still not know shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Or just had some crazy genetics. I know a guy that literally turned pro on a second show. Had no clue what he was doing. He just looked crazy. He looked awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know? happens. That's we're in a sport of freaks, man. That happens all the time. Yeah. Or, but or then he never course. did anything as a pro. He just is. So it's like he was like, oh, that was fun. Genetically looked crazy. He wanted to see if he could do anything. And like I think he did men's physique, and he did. He won his first show. Went and won. One is class in nationals, like within a couple months. Like, so hey, yeah, hey, the pro hey, status like, we're taking reps the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> the, the worst, though, is, I got to say before I move on is that that guy that does the regional show gets, you know, second place or third place. And then he goes home and he puts, uh, contest prep coach in his bio yeah <laughs> dude I, I like there's a few local shows here over the summer like that i was part of obviously and like i literally know of guys that like not didn't even place top three in their class like their first regional show that they've ever done and after the show they're posting that they're taking clients mm-hmm. like it's it's literally unbelievable to me and I, I probably let it bother me a little bit more than I should like I kind of take it personal because like this is my career and it's like what I do and I take it like super serious and I'm like it took me very long to like build my reputation like what it is in my area and like my network and then it's like literally these guys like get like fourth and like light heavyweight <laughs> like and then they're, like yeah. taking clients like I'm, I'm gonna help you reach your goals it's like dude you haven't even reached your goals you're not even close to your <laughs> own fucking goals and you're gonna help other people reach their goals like explain that to me <laughs> like you know I know hope you're enjoying the Canadian Beef Podcast then, hey, whoa, hey, hey, where'd you get that shirt? It's making you look pretty big. This one? That one, yeah. Obviously, I sponsored around here in Canada. Okay, well, we do have a discount code for it, so maybe I should use that discount code and get myself. Beef20? Yeah, Beef20 and check it. You guys should use that discount code. Make sure to use our discount code from Grub Wear Canada, Beef20 at checkout, and continue liking these videos. I'm glad it you said that. Mind. It blows I... my mind the confidence that they have, like fake confidence, but it's yeah. confidence. And I'm like, it took me a long time. Like I would, co- I coached seven, multiple people for free just to build up my confidence and like, no, like I knew what I was doing, but I wanted to like be able to sh- show that I could do the result, get the results with somebody else yeah, and multiple, a few other people before I actually started charging people to do it. And, and like, you know, know that I was going to be able to help these people, right? Yeah, like you yeah. need to validate yourself to yourself, right? Like, yeah. First, you got to learn how to do it for yourself. You got to be able to get yourself in shape and like do the thing. Yeah. And then you got to be able to start learning different body types and like different like personalities and how to work with those type of people. It takes a long time to build up like the ability Experience. to to Experience. actually work with different types of individuals. Yeah. Yep. So that when you get someone that's like, 
completely different, you know how to kind of break it down and work with that person, even if you've never worked with them before. Um, yeah, so we could go on all day about this. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so Paul's got some articles he wants to share with us today. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Can you, can you put up the, uh, the link right now, Robin, and the, the site? Yeah. Can you, can you uh, just show the audience what we have there? Okay, good. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so um, I came across, I was actually listening to another podcast, um, Stronger by Science. Hold on. Which one do you want to look at first? Let's look at the mortality uh, okay. study. You, 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 can, you can reference the other, the other study um, or the other article from, 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 this, um, from this online journal or whatever they... Uh, okay. Robin, so, hold on a sec. Okay, Sharon? You can see it? Yeah, I, want, I wanted yeah. to talk about this because they, um, they referenced this on the, the podcast that I was listening to. And it's a great podcast with a bunch of... Um, Actually, I think the, uh, the the couple of the the, the presenters were, were doctors, right? So, um, or they have their doctorate in, in sports physiology, so they know what they're talking about. And obviously, you know, this is kind of a popular topic right now. And uh, I really wanted to like, um, I think we had discussed uh, maybe bringing this up a couple months ago when there was a lot of controversy over what was going on uh, around the Olympia and, and shows where people were um, having some serious health issues or some bodybuilders were passing away. Um, and out of respect for everyone, I, I really don't want to talk about that. And out of respect for the people who passed, we were not really referring to anyone specifically. I just want to, out of respect for everyone in the industry, <clears throat> I don't really want to dwell on this stuff, but this research was I found very, very important to us as bodybuilders and, you know, fitness competitors, because there's this negative stigma that we get um, by just being bodybuilders. And I think part of the stigma is that we're, um, we're, we're, we're in a dangerous, a very dangerous, um, high risk sport. Uh, whereas you have this study, um, and it, it actually pulls out to, I believe it was like 468. I might have the, the number wrong bodybuilders. It's a, it's a historic review of all the bodybuilders. So they take 468 and they compare the mortality for those individuals. Now they only found, I think, uh, a slim percentage of death certificates, but they, they quantified it somehow and came out with some numbers. And they compared it to your average population, the American average population. Hold on. Do you want me just to read the article? You can read the article, yeah. Okay. Well, let's just do that. Okay. So this this article, like you were saying, it takes 478 pro bodybuilders. Sorry, not pro bodybuilders. Yes, pro bodybuilders. 478 pro bodybuilders. That's a lot. Um, and they, they looked at their, their age um, and basically broke down the mortality rates between pro bodybuilders and the average American male. And it actually says that we, as a percentage, have a lower mortality rate than the American male uh, on average. Um, and so there's some charts here. If you guys want to check it out as well, um, we'll put the link in the description as well. But it's thebarbell.com. So thebarbell.com. And this article just says, do, bo to, do pro bodybuilders die younger than average? So pretty cool here they're saying um so versus pro other pro athletes pro bodybuilder mortality rate 9.3 percent american male mortality rate 10.8 percent pro wrestler mortality rate 17.8 percent nfl player 5.3 mlb player 3.8 um and it does say that pro bodybuilders aged 42 to 67 are dying at a lower rate than the average American male. However, they're dying faster, 1.7 times the rate of former NFL players and nearly 2.5 times the rate of former MLB players. So I think basically like the main kind of takeaway with this is that we're not dying more than average males, but average males aren't very healthy. And we are dying more than healthier sports or, or less, I guess, abusive sports, if that makes sense to you guys. Yeah, that's pretty um, accurate, Robin, because that's what I was seeing in it, too. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, athletes are pretty healthy, right? So yeah. 
in a nutshell, like what we do is somewhat dangerous, but we mitigate a lot of the risks by being athletes, eating a healthy diet. Um, you know, most bodybuilders don't partake in, in, in dangerous recreational activities. Like, I don't know many bodybuilders who do recreational drugs. I think the majority of them don't. The majority of bodybuilders don't smoke. Um, so when, when comparing to the general population, I think we're, the reason that we're healthier by, you know, just a slight, slight variance, we're a little bit healthier. Um, it's because we don't have as many vices. Maybe, yeah. This is what I would assume, like, like would the statistics, the statistics would be, honestly. Like, yeah. I, I would assume that we are healthier than the average person because of our lifestyle, obviously. And then you need to take in consideration, like, the drug use and the size we walk around at. So like, that would put us, like, probably close to on par with the average American, which we are. Exactly. And, and then, obviously, NFL players and MLB players are going to be healthier people than us because they're not getting to, like, super, like, like high body weights and holding it for long periods of time like the right their steroid usage isn't uh, at like the same dosages and like the use isn't as prolonged as it is for us and the, the course of our athletic careers are probably longer than theirs well football players at least yeah you know i mean like we're going to bodybuild for 20 25 years they're going to play football for you know 10 years yeah right if, like baseball 10 to 15 years and obviously that's not even like a vigorous sport baseball at all physically or like really in any way um you know so yeah that's kind of what i take away oh i agree and i think yeah. you know the, the reason why we have an advantage is because we do cardio and we we lift weights but we're at a disadvantage because we use peds so we're you know there, there's there's a balance there somewhere obviously because we're we're not the worst we're not the best you know Personally, just the sheer amount of food that we're eating yeah that's another thing weight. too right body weight yeah body yeah weight. Look, yeah, look, here's that. here's the deal. Like, it's an extreme sport, you know? Any extreme sports are risky. I, I've done extreme sports my whole life. I've never I've never been any interested in any sport that wasn't extreme ever since a young age. I tried soccer when I was younger and stuff like that, and I had no interest. And I got into skateboarding, loved it. Snowboarding, loved it. Paintball, loved it. Bodybuilding, loved it. Because all those things, they had a high risk and a high reward. Yeah. so but what i'm wondering too is like what if they reference sprinters or, or long distance runners because i bet you they're not that healthy either oh yeah especially the long distance runners yeah long distance yeah. runners would probably come out on that that list i can imagine sprinters are a little bit healthier but long distance runners are probably down there yeah for sure like so robin did you want to talk about the other the other article on that uh about the ideal height Sure. Do you mind turning your, your microphone up a bit? I can't hear you. Yeah, sorry, Robin. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my screaming I, the the ideal ideal age. Age. we can't hear you there. Sorry. <laughs> um I'm curious to see what you guys think the average age uh or like the best age of bodybuilding. Or what do you think like your peak bodybuilding age is on 30, average? 35. 35? Okay. That's I think that's pretty much what they said. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm really smart. In case you haven't noticed, <laughs> I know. Now I know. <laughs> now I know. Now I know. You got it on the dot. So yeah, this this article just basically talks about all the Mister and Miss Olympias, um, and it basically says, yeah, like like 32 to 34 is the ideal range. Um, that's what it says. Um, but that's so pretty it, cool. It, but it, based it, off the fact that these these people did the best, like placing wise in their careers at this age. Yeah, it says the ideal competition age for the world's best male bodybuilder is 32 to 33. But over the past three decades, because remember, like Arnold and like those guys were a bit younger because they weren't they didn't need to get as big to win the uh, Olympia. So yeah. on average, they were younger when they won the Olympia. But now the past three decades, the age of Mr. Olympia on average has been 35 and the past two decades, 36. So our, our peak is definitely a lot, lot later than it is with other sports like you were saying for sure um and then okay what was the other one it was the other uh, one was heights ideal heights the heights right? yeah okay it's five ten <laughs> that, that's it mo that's exactly what i said too five ten i well, haven't I read this, I haven't read you, this uh, article so what do you think it is jason five ten 
Well, I'm five eight, so let's go with that. <laughs> no, I do think it's probably closer to five ten. It's got to be the goalie locks. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Here we go. Um. All right. Yup. What time? Five nine to five eleven. God yeah. damn. I'm an inch too short. (laughs) Heights of the 16 Mr. Olympia winners range from 5'5", Franco Colombo, to 6'1 and a half, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I'm going to make that a little tiny bit wider when I win. Yeah, you'll be be the (laughs) tallest Mr. Olympia. By a half inch. It's. I think it's only possible if you if you were six two and a half, not possible. Agreed. You're just there. Like you you because you can you can spread that bell curve a little bit, but you can't fucking destroy can't, it, right? You can't, you, stretch, you can't stretch this upper body out anymore, bro. No. <laughs> I, we I we could get um. <laughs> we we should talk about this with um. We should bring this up when we get um. Jamie. Uh, Jamie on here. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, fuck, eat, fuck eating that. Well, that guy got to eat, man. Oh, hold on. But this, but this is for the Mr. Olympia. Obviously, for 212, it's going to be different, right? Yeah, exactly. So, well, I mean, look at yeah. Kamal, you know, won two Olympias, and he's 50 years old, too. And then all the height differences, they're all going to be, you know, what, what is Sean Clary? It's 5-1. Yeah, look, this is the only second time in history that um, everybody in the top five was under five nine, so that was 2019. That's interesting. Can you see this? I took a picture with Sean Clarita yesterday at the at the show. Really? Hold on. Let me, let me turn this off. I want to see that. <laughs> oh damn! Like is that, is that on Instagram, Robin? Bring it up. No, I just I haven't put posted it yet. I just took it, but. <laughs> One second. I got a picture with Sean, too. It looks like you could just put him, like, under... It looks like you could just put him in your shirt and just leave. Yeah. But (laughs) then there's me and Sergio, so it's like... Oh, shit. I thought Sergio was way taller than that. He's, like, I don't know, 5'11", 6 foot. Are you practicing out angling people? That's my that's my all-time goal, actually. He doesn't, he doesn't have He's to just be the best out-angler. I'm going to come for Craig, Craig next. That's a, that's a pretty powerful out-angle there. That, that was a good one. That looked good. You look <laughs> yeah, there you go. That, that's me at 325. <laughs> Next you uh, by the way, your picture you just posted, bro, you're about almost 300 again, but like shredded. Yeah, man. I'm not gaining much fat at all. Weight's just like weight's been like really slowly creeping up. And I've I my diet's been the same like ever Whoa! since I started this. Be good. <laughs> uh, ever since uh, this off-season diet started, it's been like the oh, same good. calories at all. Just like if anything, the last like two or three weeks, I probably just let myself like have a few more extras like throughout the day, like a couple of rice krispie squares, like you know yeah. maybe a protein bar or something like that. But like yeah, you can cool. you can see that a little bit around the. <laughs> just kidding. Go look at my glutes on that side chest shot, right? And then come back here. <laughs> yeah, pretty lean. Yeah, uh, you still got the like the split and like the hammy drop and stuff. So. Yeah, dude, I, don't, I don't put any fat on my legs at all, man. My, all my fat is just goes on my back and my hips. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's oh, why I never. Well, that's why I never posted the back double bicep. Did you, <laughs> did you start your uh, your off season officially yet, or what? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Kinda like. Uh, well, I mean, I don't care about saying anything on here. Like, I I increased my test to seven fifty a week, like two weeks ago, and like maybe four or five days ago, I brought in uh, MPP and EQ. I'm gonna nice. run those at like 300 milligrams a week each. You like the the MPP EQ combo? The first time I ever tried an MPP. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I, I used to run Deca like at 300 milligrams like throughout my off-season cycles, uh, but yeah, the uh, prolactin side effects were like really bad last uh, cycle for me, even on the 300 milligrams. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I'm just gonna try. Maybe you came in with it. Nah, man, I just rather not mess with it. But yeah. you know, like um, like MP, MPP and and EQ can both produce some prolactin side effects. So I don't know. Yeah, but, I, but these are these are the lower. Like I'm I'm running EQ at a lower dose than I normally do. Like EQ is normally around like six seven hundred. So I'm bringing that down to three hundred. Yeah. So I'm hoping that that and the fact that MPP is like a shorter ester. Uh, yeah. Maybe that will that will help. So we're just gonna try it out anyway, right? MPP will mitigate some of the at least the the, the water. Yeah, yeah, that's what I need. I, I'm I'm a water buffalo anyway, so I got to watch how much uh, 
I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Is that even true? I mean, it's it's basically the same compound as DECA, just different ester. In and out quicker. Yeah, it's yeah. odd because, but mm, that's like the argument that, like, if you have ever heard of that argument of taking like more anadrol would be just like taking like a little bit of dianabol. What? Or no. taking more yeah, dianabol would be like taking a little bit of anadrol. You know, no, that's not true because they're they're completely different hormones. Completely different compounds. Yeah, I know. That it's it's more like test probe and test nth. That's what NBP and DECA are. Right, NBP and DECA yeah. they're, they're the same. They're both nineteen nors. Oh, they're just they're just nandrolones, right? It's either an nandrolone decanoate or an nandrolone phenopropionate. It's, I'm really just trying NBP because the way I look at it is if I have to switch it out, then like the side effects won't last as long. Yeah, after. that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, but I love, I love the, uh, like, I like the DECA because it, it would really help with my joints, like, just yeah. deal with pain, like, during the off season. So, yeah. you know, that's why Plus, I interested in having something like that in there, right? Yeah. Exactly. That's, well, I'm about to add a little bit of that in, too, but I've never done more than 200 a week. Okay. Of DECA? Yeah. Yeah. Good enough. I thought 300 was low. <laughs> yeah, I, I well, it low first, too. I've only ever done it once. And I did it for, like, six weeks, and I did 200 a week. That's the most... So I've never done anything in the off season. That was the first time I'd done something in the off season. Normally off season is just a little uh, test and maybe a little primo. Okay. I, cool. I usually go up to 437.5 DECA because I do 125 every other day. Yeah, 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 yeah. I find that's like a pretty good. More than that, I feel like is unnecessary. It's not going to do anything. Like yeah. It's not going to benefit you anymore. Like the prolactin is going to come up. Yeah, yeah, the, the side effects go up after that point for sure. And those side effects. That's why I just I keep some caber on hand, just you know, in case I need it. Yeah, I'm like I'm pretty prolactin sensitive. Like I, I don't need to take any like aromatization inhibitors at all. Yeah. yeah AI, they'll, they'll 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 mess up your blood work too, right? So AI, yeah, I took so took some aromatextra in prep, but like that was it. Yeah, you want to be careful with the AIs too, because if you're doing this polypharma thing. Um, back to the esters, though. I, 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 I don't know if it's bro science, but don't long esters make you hold more water? I know it's just half-lives. Well, no. I would, the way I look at it, it's like if, the, if it's a longer half-life, then like if you are experiencing a side effect like that, then it's just going to like last longer. And like, well, yeah. obviously those drugs have an accumulative effect, like as like the side effects would too. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of how my mindset is on it. And just from my experience. Yeah, I think people people get worried about like water retention as if that's an issue, but that's something that you always want as a bodybuilder. Like you always want water. You want you just you just want it in the muscle. You just don't want it on the skin. That's you know. But like people are like, oh, water retention. Like what you want water retention, obviously, to look full, right? But it's also highly diet dependent as well, right? Like exactly, yeah. That's going to be more of an influence than like the drug, you know, because you could be dieting and be shredded and just taking like Deca test d-ball like that's what they did in the old you know old school shit so yeah you can I, definitely be sure of it yeah it, well, uh, and I, I know people that would take anadrol like the last few weeks leading into a show yeah and stuff you know because right, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it would keep the fullness and they weren't really worried about it messing up with their appetite at that point because they're not eating much food yeah. the last few weeks and so, you can figure your fucking dies out yeah, exactly. and you're you're not gonna be if you're peeled, you're not gonna hold a ton of water if there's no fat. No, no. Yeah, it's 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 dietary, right? Like carbohydrate intake, sodium intake too. Well, people forget like carbohydrates. Yeah, like, hydrates. Like every gram of carb you take in, you're gonna be a little bit more hydrated. You're gonna yeah, exactly. You, you could be taking you could be taking Mastron, Winnie, Halo, everything, Arimidex out the wazoo. But if you're pounding carbs, you're gonna hold water. Like yeah, said, people, people in prep all the time hold water. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, okay. I don't know how we got on that. But anyways, <laughs> uh, I got a couple. Let's do some listener questions. Because I got a couple of those here. Also, it. if you guys have any any questions like from your clients, if they've like asked a question they want everyone to answer, you can do that as well. This guy says, um, Artica 2000, how do you start? How did you start working out? How much do bodybuilding pictures motivate you your bodybuilding pictures or pictures of other people well we pretty much we talked about how we started working out like last time so let's just say like how much do bodybuilding pictures motivate you for me like when i first started training it was like that was everything i had like literally i would just like put 
pictures of like Frank McGrath, like all over my wall and shit like that, you know? And that was like my motivation pretty much. Yeah, I agree. Like back in my day, Arnold, Arnold encyclopedia, right? And you get that. Because there was so many of those iconic pictures, right? Like the Dorian Yates pictures and the Frank McGrath pictures and, you know, yeah, they do. They're, they're yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, all, I mean, pictures motivated me, especially when I'd walk into the gym and like the gym I went to didn't have any like bodybuilding pictures up on the walls, but they always had a rack of all the newest like, you know, flex magazines and iron, like all the, the big bodybuilding magazines and stuff like that. And you walk in and you see the new cover with, you know, Dennis Wolf or Flex Lewis on it and stuff like that. And I'd get pumped, you know, Jay Cutler sitting there like going crazy or something on the cover of the magazine definitely would get you pumped right before you start working out. But yeah. I probably got more motivated watching an episode of Dragon Ball Z right before going to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used, I used to do that with my buddy. Like we would always watch an episode of Dragon Ball Z and then go train. It was pretty cool. Yeah. He was really into that. Power up and then go in there. And- yeah. <laughs> um. I was like more motivated by like the lifestyle type shit, like like some pictures, but like a lot of like the lifestyle videos, like just the guys like walking around the grocery stores and shit, just looking like yeah. absolutely huge. And then like I was like people just looking at him like they're freaks, and I was just like fuck yeah, like that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I, I want people to look at me and just be like, what the fuck, like you know what I mean? Like the DVDs of Marcus Rule. That's Marcus literally Rule. exactly what I'm thinking about. <laughs> Ruling forever. Yeah, no, that's like the most iconic video of him walking around the grocery store. Yeah, it's like absurd, man. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch those like every day before, like especially the Marcus Rule videos. I'd watch those every day before I trained. For one prep, especially 2013, like I was doing the nationals and I was staying in, I was living in London, UK, and I would just every day watch those. And then just go and like train in like this dungeon gym. It was like you'd go down these steps and you could start seeing your breath. I remember like it was, it, but it was sick because you just like wear like, you know, hoodies and sweatpants and just go nuts. And uh, yeah, fucking good times. But man, I would I would love um, those like grocery store videos, and like I would have um, that picture of Frank McGrath like sitting at his like table, just like black and white, sitting at tape, fucking just eating like chicken and rice. Like I'd put that on my wall. I'd be like I want to, I want to, I want to be like that. And then you're like sitting there like that, like like fucking ten years later, and you're like, this fucking sucks. I need yeah. the motivation for that more than I need the motivation for the gym. Like yeah, yeah. I need no motivation to go work out and like train hard as hell. But when it's time to sh- force down meal five, I'm like, that's okay. Maybe I need to look at that picture and be like, well, they actually got like, I need the, to get- they got the food motivational videos now. Like Mac and yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They are fucking clutching the off season. Man. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are great. Uh, okay, cool. Um, tips on post show getting back, getting back your control of eating. I get this question all the time. Yeah, just, just keep cardio in whatever you do. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely. All, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, keep that. Keep that. Like once you stop, it's hard to get back on it. But if you just yeah. keep going, it's it's easy to just keep going. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, the control of eating though, I would just. I would say at least for the first, like if you binged hard right after the show and you're completely out of control, it's just a mindset thing. But honestly, what helps me is I'll keep a little treat in here and there just, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm not going completely out of my mind. I know I'm not prepping for a show anymore, but I'm going to go back to at least 80% strict on my diet, but keep a treat in here and there. So you know, you have something to look forward to. That got, treat is way more enjoyable if you earned it by sticking to your diet and like you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I got a good tip um, to uh, book a photo shoot like a couple weeks later, because then then you'll you'll definitely stay on track. And also to um, to have like a game plan. We've talked about this before, but have a game plan going into your show. So you 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 tell yourself before you even finish that show what you're gonna do after the show. Which yeah. would be for me, like what I recommend is enjoy yourself the night of the show. Let's say a Saturday show, enjoy the whole day Saturday, enjoy the whole day Sunday, get right back onto your regular diet on Monday, have one or two cheat meals that are scheduled for the week, and then just carry forward like that. Right. One thing I'll say too is probably like if you're really worried about it, if you're really like worried about gaining fat too fast, take update pictures every morning. 
right? Yeah, yeah. Half of the show. Just get up, take take update pictures. Because if you're eating like an asshole and you look at your pictures, like you're gonna see yourself getting fatter. You're gonna yeah. feel like an asshole. And, and if you're if you're not, that's a good point. Because if you're not willing to take those pictures, then you know you're either fucking up or you're gonna fuck up later that day. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good one, man. That's a really good tip. All right, there you go. Now, no excuses. Don't get fucking fat after your show because you work so hard, man, to get in shape. And then nothing feels worse than being than starting your offseason fat because you're not even going to grow like you want to. Everything is just going to be so much harder. So, and the fact that you always think you're going to pound all this food and get the most insane pump in the gym. Yeah. And you end up getting the shittiest workout ever because you're so inflamed. Your yeah. lower back gets pumped like hell. Just like nothing feels right. You, you you don't get a better workout because you pay like an asshole. It's like yeah. you're too pumped. Like you're just like, I can't fucking move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you literally do a 20 minute workout and your forearms are like hurting. Yeah. And then you just go to Denny's. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you just lie, lie on the floor for 20 minutes. You're like, okay, fuck this. Let's go. Eat yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go eat again. Yeah. Another good strategy would be just to remember that. Like, I think people go into a post-show thinking that they're, they need to eat all the food they didn't eat for months on end, yeah. like all at once. So you can still have that over time. Or you could like have it every night for the next couple of weeks, like as meal five or six or something, as long oh. as you're not overboard. Yeah. You know, Here's another good tip is just don't, don't have the stuff in your house. Don't have anything yeah. bad in your house because then it's like, you're, you're not going to just be like sitting at home bored and start eating. If you're gonna eat, like go go like go out to a restaurant and eat, and then eat there, and then come back home. No junk at home. That's exactly. Really cool yeah. With others, though, like who have yeah. you know. I think we've all made that mistake. Yeah. Of stocking our house full of junk. Oh yeah. Yeah. Post show. Oh my god. I, I have clients do it all the time. I spent like two hundred dollars once. Two hundred dollars on yeah. junk food. Yeah. Like, I didn't even eat half of it. I had to give a lot of it away. Yeah, that's the thing. You get so sick of it after stuffing your face, and then you yeah. actually want something healthy. Yeah. You got a house full of junk. Yeah, exactly. I know. Um, okay. Thoughts on establishing a better mind connection, pain threshold, etc. Pain threshold. Pain threshold. Post, post, yeah. post like the next day. You know what kills me, and I don't know about you guys, <clears throat> when I'm in the gym, I never really feel like I, I have to, you know, push through extreme pain, maybe leg day, because I might have headaches, and it might be uncomfortable, like the pressure, but I don't know, it's usually the next day or the day after, it's like, fuck, why did I do this? That's I think you, like, I think your pain threshold, like, like, comes up over time, right? Like, you're not, there's no tricks to, like, be able to endure harder training sessions, like, you mm -hmm. just go in time like year after year like you just become a better trainer like you become used to feeling like a higher intensity within your sets like you know the harder you train like that's how I feel like it is for me like I yeah I mean if I like I there's no way I could train like I do now when I first started like there's no trick that anybody could tell me like there's no advice that anyone could give me like you know what I mean it's just something yeah. you just build yeah. that up over yeah. time I think that's true but also the like I don't know, over time, building up your pain threshold. But I, when you're a, a beginner, you don't know what your pain threshold is. So when it starts hurting, you so a lot of people stop. Yeah. yeah. And like, we don't stop when it starts hurting. That's like, that's when it gets fun. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> I think um, like there's, there's some like certain ways that you can like build that up before you start training. If you're fortunate enough to, or I guess fortunate enough or unfortunate enough, whatever, because I had a weird thing that I would, I used to like run, like I would run like hours and they would kind of like help me like with this eating disorder, like mental dysfunction thing that I had back then. And, but that built up crazy pain tolerance. Cause I would, when I was running, I would be constantly uncomfortable and I would just, I would continue. So that's what it really comes down to is like, when you start training, incorporate something that's uncomfortable every single time you train, like yeah. whether that for you is like doing a squat or whether that for you is like doing lunges or like maybe a deadlift, whatever, whatever it is that you like, you just it feels so shitty that you hate it and you don't want to do it. Do that. Cause that's the only really way that's going to build up pain tolerance. Like, especially when you're a beginner, you gotta, you gotta squat, you gotta deadlift, you gotta do all that stuff that really sucks. 
you can't just go like on machines and like just like try to do what you see other guys that have been training for 10 years do because we we have the ability to create pain and and generate that force a lot faster like someone that's trained for 10 or 20 years can generate force in a muscle and fatigue that muscle really really easily compared to someone who's a beginner that goes back to the other part of the question they asked about mind muscle connection yeah well, like we have a better mind muscle connection so we can create that you know force and stuff and get much more out of every single rep we do right yeah right um, because remember with machines or free weights like yeah every, every single rep that you that you do every single rep that you you perform is going to move you towards um that skill right yeah. so so as a beginner or as someone that wants to improve mind muscle connection or to get closer to uh, a higher pain threshold make sure that when you're training you're executing every rep perfectly and you know that's kind of like a general statement but the reason for that is because every rep is practice and every rep is developing a skill that's why it's important to spend a lot of time with those basic exercises i want to say too completely agree with what you're saying the another trick though which i think whether you ever can plan on competing in a bodybuilding show or not learning how to hit the poses will insanely increase your mind muscle connection. Oh, it's like, if you can figure out how to do a lat spread, think about the connection you're going to have when you go to train your back then. Yeah. You know, if you know how to flex those muscles, you know what it feels like to contract them, to stretch them, to, you know, use those muscles. Right. That's right. Yeah. Like if you want to increase your mind muscle connection and your pain tolerance at the same time, just flex a muscle for as long as you possibly can. Like until it basically cramps, like, you know, like if you're going to do yeah. a static ham, like just stand up and just squeeze your hamstring, you know, like you're doing a leg curl, standing leg curl and just squeeze it until it cramps. You can also incorporate that in your training. Like if you train, let's say, let's say you're doing a hamstring curl and you're, you don't have a great connection with your hamstrings yet. Well do that hamstring curl and then get up and squeeze and just flex your hamstrings and then go back on there and do another hamstring curl. Same thing like for your biceps, thing, chest, lats, anything, chest what, or, or um, traps, whatever it is, just flex that muscle and then go and train another set and flex that muscle, go train another set. And really what you're doing is you're just, you're creating those neural connections between that muscle and your brain. And that's really what the mind muscle connection is, is it's just, it's the neurons in your brain firing when you tell it to fire that muscle. It's, it's developing motor patterns and we do this in all sports, right? Yeah. So we develop that, that pattern of, of movement. Um, but like, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you talked about <clears throat> using the basics instead of using machines when you're starting, because you're not going to get that contraction <clears throat> and you're not going to get the full range of motion yeah. if you're not using like the basics, dumbbells, barbells. I well, would he- almost encourage people to use dumbbells when they're starting out exactly and that's that's what i was going to say the dumbbells the dumbbells and the barbells man and then 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 you can talk intensity because your intensity and the pain threshold kind of as mo was saying it will come along with that because i guess the reason when i heard the question i didn't really think about it because we're it's so ingrained in us now like we're probably grunting our teeth and making faces and we don't even know it right you don't think about it but when you're starting i guess it is challenging and you're kind of shaking and you're bringing it up once you increase the weight you know because you know you don't have that connection and you are kind of shaking when you try to increase your weights especially with dumbbells but if you lock yourself into a machine you're not going to feel that yeah i really like ron's point just about like doing something that's hard that you don't want to do like that's something i even like carry with me like every training session, because like, obviously we're kind of at the point now where it's like, I could go in and get a good workout on machines only and like do what I need to do. But like, I always still make myself do some kind of free weight, heavy movement, like every, every training session, because it's just something on my head. And like, I don't want to do it, but like that makes me have to do it because like, I I just know the benefit. Like, I don't want to lose that, that like hardcore training mentality, which is so easy to lose today because like, like imagine walking into pure muscle and fitness, Robin, like, and like, it's like your first gym you ever go to, yeah. like you, you could literally never touch a dumbbell or barbell. Yeah, and exactly. Like, and build like a pretty good physique, but. Well, and you probably wouldn't, cause you're going to see everybody else doing all the machines and you're going to be like, Oh, that's, that's how they got there. So I'm going to have to do that. 
But I remember, like, when I first started training, man, I was, like, training with barbells and dumbbells, man, and doing, like, front raises. I fucking hated front raises because they burned, and they just felt, like, so shitty. And, like, I just my, – my, I had, like, no front delt, so it just sucked, right? And I just kept doing them, and I hated them, and just kept doing them. Like, it would burn and feel like shit. Eventually, though, started building some muscle on there. And it just – after a while, you start getting that connection there, and it starts to feel better. It starts to feel better, and you start to see the results. I was with right? deadlifts. And I think – I always hated deadlifts. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think hate any exercise. I got to brace my core. I hate it. Yeah. And then I just, I kept making myself do them and get better at them. And like, it's just like that leveling up mentality again. I was like, all right, I have to keep improving at this until I'm actually not, you know, completely shitty. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the best, but I'm not completely shitty. Yeah. Well, it's, it's exactly. Right. You've got to force yourself. Last night, I, I, uh, the gym closed at seven. The gym I go to, I didn't even know it closed on, at seven on, on Sunday. So I had to go to my basement. I haven't used my basement gym in a while. I got a couple 120s, 130s. And it's like, I had to do rows. And I'm like, fuck, I haven't done rows with dumbbells. And everything was dumbbell work that I was doing. Dumbbell work, dumbbell work, RDLs, you know? It was just like shit. I was like, fuck, I'm too tired to do this this late at night. But you have to force yourself. But you get lazy. You get gym lazy sometimes too when you have like pure, like a, a gym like pure with all these good machines and you're like once you go back to the dumbbells you realize how effective they were like the yeah. pandemic when, when everything closed down and all i had was my dumbbells and bars so much pump like such it's, a better pump. it's it's crazy because it's like you can do a ton with dumbbells and barbells you can do a ton with machines but when you have both it's like amazing it's just crazy yeah, you, you really have right? to make because it, like honestly like i i did enjoy going back like when when everything was locked down here and there was a good like three four months where it was just like i was training with barbells and dumbbells again it was cool man i loved it for a little while because it was like okay back to basics you know we're getting some good gains but after a while you're just like okay man like i need some different angles like i need to feel the muscle a different way i need different strength curves right because imagine if you're always doing a dumbbell row right the strength curve is always so that when you're the weakest, when you're fully contracted, the dumbbell is the fucking heaviest. And when you're the strongest, the dumbbell is the lightest, right? So it's, it seems to make more sense to do all of your heavy stuff, or at least do that barbell, that dumbbell work in combination with the machine work. And that's, you know, essentially what bodybuilding is, right? Because we're not power lifters. We don't just train with free weights, but we're also not fucking, I don't know, fucking, you know, F45 circuit fucking moms and dads right like we also need to build a lot of heavy dense muscle which takes the barbells and dumbbells so i don't know anyways going a little bit off this guy's topic but <laughs> i think the main point here is that you just you just have to train <laughs> like really like yeah. you just have to train like just get in there fucking get some fucking weight on that bar lift it off the ground practice your form over and over again and do that for like 10 to 15 years man over time you're gonna be like a fucking beast right and like pain and like nothing will even phase you at that point but you have to work on it right like there's there's two types of people there's people that when they when they feel the pain and these are rare people like us i feel like we're kind of more like this when you start feeling that pain you know that something good is happening and that's and that's where you kind of that's what you look forward to really when it comes down to it like once you get through that pain that effort that's what makes you feel good from the workout right but there's other, the, the other type of people are the people that just want to avoid pain at all costs. And you might've trained these people, right? It's like, you can get them to do something perfectly, but they just, you can see it in their body that there's like, there's no real effort. It's just, things yeah. are moving, but it's too easy. You know, like there's, there's a pain avoidance, right? So instead of digging in deeper, it's kind of like they're, they're letting it like float there too much. I don't know yeah. if, if that's a good explanation, but in, no, in very your, good in explanation. Your, in your I, mind, I can, picture, I can yeah. picture certain clients doing that when you yeah. when you said that. Like, like you can tell. Like, does this person want the pain, or does this person want to avoid the pain? And that's the other thing it comes down to. Like, like, if you want it, you want it. If you don't want it, you don't want it. It's exactly. so easy for people to yeah. say they want it, to like look at us and be like, "Oh, I want to build that physique." But it's like, man, you you probably want nothing to do what it takes, like you know, to to do this, right? Yeah, you, you got to find some fun in there, right? Because if you don't, if you do not find fun. Uh, training like painful training fun at all then i don't think you can do it for 10 or 15 years you just can't I, maybe I, once I, or twice yeah. you can do it a couple times like oh that was a good workout but then I, you just won't see them again 
I'm yeah, exactly. the, worst, the worst pain isn't from the workout. You know, the, the pain comes when you have doms, like you do a really good leg day. Okay, we get it. You're old. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you get it when you're young, too. You get it when I'm you're just starting out. But, dude, there's pain in the workout, too. Like, yeah. You, yeah. Like, do, do a leg press set of 30 and tell me that there's no pain. <laughs> like, the no, shit I, fucking I, I, pref- I, I don't mind the doms because the doms is like you can relax a little bit when you have doms, right? Yeah, so that's that's more what I'm used to than anything is doms. Like my legs yeah. are sore six out of seven days every single week of my life. Yeah, yeah. Like upper it's just, back you never feel like your upper back hurts so much that you're like, fuck, this is just an uncomfortable feeling. You guys, does anyone else sit on a like have a desk job here? I yeah. sit at the computer a lot. Yeah, I guess you do. You guys don't get pain in your upper back, like just just rawness from the doms. Like I um, I roll it like fatigue in your upper back, you mean? Like it feels like it, like it's hard to keep your your shoulders back and like sit up straight. Yeah, I actually got physical pain, like DOMS. Maybe it's arthritis. Never mind. I'm fucking old. Maybe you just have such an amazing connect mind muscle connection with your upper back muscles that you're hitting it better than all of us. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe you just need more um like soft tissue work. God, because be I, I I would get that a lot. Like if I miss like a month of massage, then my upper back will feel like complete garbage like i'll just like it'll hurt to even breathe but if i get massage regularly that goes away hmm. so i get grassing and cupping every week so yeah. or or use um you, you know that little peanut that i have that those two lacrosse balls yeah i use the lacrosse the foam yeah. one on my low back never my upper back yeah i, I do with the upper back almost every day and i should i gotta tell you guys what happened to me last week from massage yeah, like this is nothing against my massage therapist at all. Guy's great. It was more of like a mistake that I made. It was kind of just a weird coincidence what happened, but it was like around this time last year, like I dislocated a rib and I like hurt my spine like kind of bad. And anyways, it led to like a month of dealing with like really bad sciatic pain and stuff and whatever. So uh, last week I went, I, I dislocated my rib somehow last week. I think I did it in my sleep. And it's just because once you dislocate a rib, like it comes out pretty easily, right? Yeah. So I, I dislocated my rib. And then um, I went to my massage therapist, got a massage, helped just like loosen up like the muscles in that area. And uh, a couple of days later, I went and trained back. And when I went and trained back, uh, because like he had loosened up everything like around my neck and like my rib area, I'd actually like slipped a disc in my neck too. Oh, what? Yeah, man. It was, it was crazy. And like I went to my chiropractor to get my rib put back in. And I was telling him, I was like, man, like, my rib feels better since you put it back in. I was like, but it hurts when I swallow and like, it hurts when I burp and stuff. Like I was getting this sharp pain in the back of my neck. And then I kind of explained to him what I just explained to you guys my whole week. And he said like, yeah, like that's what happens. Like I, I slipped a disc in my neck, like, like a little bit. Anyways, he put everything back in place and now I'm fine. But because of my massage, like loosening up all the muscles in my back and me going, me going training back, it just like messed me up structurally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. I never really feel good after... Um, if I get a massage and then go train, it doesn't, doesn't feel great. You can't get a pump. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's like, you're too relaxed, too yeah. loose. Yeah. 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 I had an RMT mess up. Like th- there was some, some lymphatic stuff going on in my shoulder and uh, I got some inflammation after a massage. Nothing again, nothing against my RMT. Um, but it happens like things like that happen and you know, yeah. there's nothing to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's end it there. Um, unless you guys have anything else you want to say. Got to go eat for sure. All right, boys. Good. We'll see you next week. Talk All right, guys. See you later. Next week. Later, boys. I just want to take a quick second to thank our sponsors, Gorillaware Canada and Helix Labs. Please check out their website and use our discount code BEEF20 at checkout. Hope you enjoyed the videos. Please subscribe. Thanks, guys.